Hi, everyone. Welcome to Learn to Adult, the podcast guiding you to adulting better. My name is Abby, and this week we are going to be talking to uh, my good friend Justin. My good friend. We've known each other for about six minutes now. Um, and we are going to be talking about social work and how his his whole profession actually kind of ties into adulting almost like completely, which I think is fascinating. So hello, Justin. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, so... Uh, you reached out to me because you are, you have a podcast and you are also starting another one. Very entrepreneurial. I stumbled <laughs> over that word. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, and you are in the social work field. Yes, that's correct. Uh, what, what, I don't know. I know it's like zero about social work. So what like branch okay, of social yeah. work? Well, that, that's kind of insightful because social work is pretty, there's a wide area. You can be, um, the, like a therapist, you know, what you normally think a psychologist looks like. Um, social workers can actually get credentialed into doing psychological testing in certain states. Um, and then you can be all to the other side where you're kind of like a case manager and you have um, a bunch of clients that you check in on, make sure that they're getting to their appointments, make sure that they have things like housing, all their basic needs. Um, there's this thing in uh, social sciences, it's um the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and um, case management is very much Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You you look at what they need first, which is like food, shelter, that kind of stuff, and then you go up higher and higher through mm-hmm. it. Um, and at some point during that that triangle, your case management is no longer needed because they would be more self sufficient kind of thing. But um, social work is very very diverse. Like I was saying, it started um, with Mary Richmond in uh, I believe it was in Illinois, and she was really helping um, less fortunate people, and I believe it was with housing kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, um, I mean, there's a wide history that we can go in. Um, it's a It was a very female, like, started field, and then, then they got this guy to go into it and um, see if it was a true profession or not. Ended up, he saying, <laughs> "Yeah." So, sorry, that's up... like, well, let's see if you ladies have a real profession. Hold on, I'm coming in. Sorry, those make me laugh. No, uh, yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> like, hey, you know, like, let's see if you're like a doctor or not. And then he said no, um, and this really pissed off the profession. So now, um, what the profession I get into? There's all these tests you take. There's all these licensures that you have to obtain. It's very official, I guess I would say. Um, so, oh wow instead of like being mad at this guy for saying it wasn't a profession, we're kind of accepting and we're kind of like maybe not happy. It lit a, it lit a fire underneath you. So now, um, and what I do now is a medical social worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, if you have a master's in counseling, you can't do my job because it doesn't have the correct like um, scrutiny behind it. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, of course there's going to be outlier hospitals out there, but for the majority of hospitals for a social work job, you have to have your master's in social work and a license in social work. So it's a little bit of a background in social work, if that makes any sense. Oh, it absolutely does. I I, I love the history of things like that, especially the, the part where it's like, a, no, you're not a real profession. And that somehow has made it a monster that must be dealt with. I love it. Right. And I just wanted uh, to say a little background, um, if, if I could. Well, oh, when, absolutely. When uh, somehow I saw your Twitter and I recorded a couple episodes of my new my, my solo podcast and I was like mm-hmm. wow most of this is me trying to tell people how to how to adult kind of in that young adult range and I was kind of focusing on the 18 to 
22 to 23 age because I really yeah. think at that point there's a lot of struggles that happen and a lot of things that you might need guidance on um, oh yeah so, so I was like wow this is perfect so hey um, I might have some interesting things and then you kind of were interested in what the story was my story I guess and so that's that's kind of cool Oh, yeah. And yeah, the, the, the adulting thing is, you're right, that's the perfect age range for that because you spend so much of your time when you grow up going, I'm going to be an adult person and this, that, and the other thing. And you don't know what that entails. And the sad part of it is it mostly entails knowing when to do your dishes and vacuuming and paying yes. bills. So yes. it's not the glamorous, I'm going to move out and I'm going to do whatever I want. It's doing whatever you want means vacuuming on your own personal schedule so yeah uh, being a good employee making sure that absolutely you have a paycheck yeah. answering to the government when tax time comes around <laughs> oh yeah it's it's not as glamorous as for wh whatever 16 year old me seemed to think it was oh i know um okay so and and we'll get into that i did want to go back to the social work thing how did you like did you, was this something you were always interested in did you get did you stumble into it or just how did you kind of approach the current okay. career you're in. So this, this is a story. I hope I tell it entertaining. Like um, the, the <laughs> first thing, it. the first thing I wanted to do was be like a politician. So I started to get into poli sci classes, uh, political science mm -hmm. classes. Um, and then along with political science classes, I was getting into sociology, which is the study of like peoples and interactions that people have. It's, it's quite literally the, the science of social interaction. Um, mm -hmm. But with the pol political science classes, I started to get really upset because um, the class was always driven by whatever party the professor was behind. So it left little like it. it I just didn't see the application behind it. I felt like I was just going to class and then we we're always going to have a debate at the classes. And I was like, this really isn't what I want to do. I want to change the world because I'm 18 and I think I can. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, but, you know, like I thought I was going to completely change the world kind of thing. Oh, I've. I've also been 18. I remember that feeling well. I wish we could bottle it and drink it. It'd be amazing. <laughs> I know. But anyway, uh, so kind of a side point. A lot of social workers are in politics right now. There's a there's a senator. Actually, it's a, re a representative, sorry, um, in Arizona, in the state I am, that's a social worker. Um, oh. And she got her degree from the same university I did. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, I, you know, I could still go that route if I want. Um, hey, that dream is always there. Yeah, it's still open. Thank you, 18-year-old me. Anyway, so I, I was like, I was like, this isn't happening. And then took psychology classes and I was like, man, you know, the brain is really cool. Human behavior is really cool. But also being in that age range, I knew that um, it didn't feel like I was thinking the same way other people were thinking. Um, I was maybe having more maladaptive uh, behaviors. Oh, oh, so that's like a jargon in, uh, in behavioral health. Um, maladaptive, it, it, it. I, I don't know if I invented the, the opposite word of it, but I, I always say like well adapted. So like there's um, like behaviors that you do that are good behaviors that are, that are um, kind of like leading you towards a positive direction or towards your goal. And then mm -hmm. there's these behaviors that kind of take you away from your goal. And we call those behaviors maladaptive behaviors. So, you know, I was kind of doing that kind of stuff. Um, and I was just, you know, I guess finding myself in, in college. So I was doing a lot of sociology stuff. And then um, I 
uh, this was uh, all in community college. Well, there was one semester in the regular college, but then I went to where I was going to get my bachelor's at. And um, in there, I took the intro to social work, but I also took a women's studies class. And this is before um, like women's studies as we know what it is now. It was kind of right. on the... Um, when the like when the boulder was starting to roll though and i was like really into it i was like this is i really like this we're really trying to think we're really trying to change how society thinks um on uh underprivileged groups that kind of stuff and i was like i agree like it shouldn't just be this um dichotomy of male and female it's more uh on, on a linear spectrum kind of thing and you know sexuality all that and so i was like really into it and um I was not a good student, though. I don't know if the professors <laughs> thought I, I talked well, but um, one of the women's studies uh, teachers would always talk to me after class trying to get me to make it my major. And then um, in social work, I started to kind of get into it because the intro to social work talked about you could be a politician, you can be a therapist, you can do all this stuff. And then it's like the code of ethics for social work, which you can pull up. It's uh, from the NESW, which is the National... Mm -hmm association of social workers um i was like i i agree with that point i agree with that point it's like you know um gosh I, now i can't think about it but um self client self-determination it's like um unconditional positive regard that's not in there but that's what something that we always talked about and um i was just like always i, I just thought i hit I was like good with every point and there's another point on there advocacy where you advocate and you don't just like let things roll over so i was like wow this is really cool too so the, another professor from social work would pull me after class and would be like, you really got to get into social work. And I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like sociology and women's studies. So she pulled a guy um, that was working in um, a, like a CPS kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's called DPS over here now, uh, Department of Child Services, because they had to mm -hmm. revamp it. But um, he was working in there and it was a rural area so he didn't have his degree yet but they allowed him to work in there because there was no one to work the job so the caveat of him working there was he had to get his degree so he was getting his degree in and um the professor was like hey can you talk to him about like why it's better to get a social work degree than than like a sociology or women's studies degree <laughs> and yeah. he was like you can hang a shingle with social work he, i was like what do you mean he's like after you get your master's and you get a license, you can open your own practice. You would never be able to do that with uh, women's studies or with sociology. He's like, you can still do those things. You can still research in a sociological perspective, but now you can get your own practice. You can work in all these other places. And I was just like, you know, this is one of the times where it actually made sense. And I'm happy that it did make sense to me at that point. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to kind of go into the social work route. Um, so wow. that's kind of how I chose social work. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's cool that you had, you know, teachers reaching out for you saying, hey, you should, you know, <laughs> come quick, come to my field, come to my. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it was more yeah. that they felt I was troubled than that they felt that I was attractive for the field. I think they're like <laughs> trying to give you direction. direction. Yeah. Here, go over here this yeah. way. Exactly. Point in this way. Although I will <laughs> say some of my favorite classes I have taken are social sociology classes. Um because 17, 18, 19 year old me when I took those classes blew my mind. I know. Just it's some a, of the, yeah. It's fantastic. And something that a professor would say, so I stole it from a professor, but what they would say is sociology is just academic stereotypes. And it's kind of true. Oh, but oh, yeah. Oh, I love that, that saying. I love that saying. <laughs> anyway. 
Oh yeah, no sociolo- sociology. I I took one class, and that was one of those classes where you just start rethinking your entire major. Like I could do this forever. Yeah. But then you look kind of down the road a little bit and go, okay, you're and you're and that and they weren't wrong. The um the the pigeonholing that goes along with like maybe a sociology degree. Not that they aren't great. It's just at a certain point, sometimes someone like me and obviously someone like you wanted some more options. It's like I would like this degree, but I'd also one day like to be a politician. Well, yeah, here's no, the degree for that. I, I, completely. And the thing is, when you look at sociology, and this is to people that want to adult, if you really like sociology, look at those applied sociology careers. And one of those is a social worker. So it makes kind of logical sense to just get the degree in social work where you can get it licensed. Then to, if you have a license on your, that means you get liability for the work that you do. So you become more attractive for hospitals, for all these other things. Um, the hospital I work at now puts up insurance for me, but um, I still have my license, so I still have to protect my license. So I'm not going to do something where my license is going to get um, compromised. So if I go against a doctor's opinion, um, the doctor's opinion will still go over me, but I'm going to document the crap out of it, and they're going to know that I tried not to do whatever the doctor's opinion was, that kind of thing. Whereas mm-hmm. if you have a sociology degree, there's no license behind it. So if you just go ahead with the doctor, like the, the hospital knows, like the hospital feels like it, it, it wouldn't, you, your stakehold in it wouldn't matter because you, mm-hmm. if, if, if something happens, they can't do anything to you. They can do something to the hospital, but you don't have a license to back it up kind of thing. Right. Okay. So just cause, just cause I'm nosy, uh, what could, what, what would be something that you could do? Like maybe don't get super specific, I guess, but, um, to compromise your license is something you said, what, what would, what would that look like, I guess? Oh yeah. So there's a ton. And, and if you want, you can spend some time on this, but every state has a, a board website for uh, helping professions or social work or, um, it, where in, in my state in Arizona, it's social work, it's, um, licensed, uh, marriage and family therapists, it's licensed, uh, counselors. And they talk about when people's licenses become compromised. Most of the time it's, um, relations with clients, it's lending money to clients. It's, um, you know, where the boundaries break, it's letting clients sleep at their house. It's, um, so one of it was like driving a client across state lines. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, I mean, basically if you go against something that's not ethical or whatever, I mean, it, one that, one that's relevant for me is if someone's saying that they're suicidal, that they're going to kill themselves and um, that they need help, um, I would be like, okay, we're going to make sure we watch you and we get you that help. Um, where like if a doctor would say, no, we're just going to send them out, um, I would document, uh, no, I want them to get help. I, I even instructed them if the doctor sends them out, how to get go get help, that kind of thing. Um, and if they completed like a suicide thing, um, I mean, it would be a lot of court kind of thing but mm-hmm. um if i didn't do anything um that's where my license would get compromised um i really don't have any opportunities and i don't want any opportunities where i would lend any clients money or anything so right <laughs> yeah. well those are situations like that i found where you you read them on paper if they ever present yourself i find that it's tough for my brain to keep up with what's happening i just sort of have like out of body experiences we're like is this is this really what's happening right now Am I being tested? Like I've, I mean, obviously I don't have a license that could be compromised, but if a situation like that would arise to me, like that's how it would be. Like, you know what I'm saying? Where you're yeah. just like, I don't understand. No, why would I give you money? That's, 
yeah and say no go ask someone else so that's that's fascinating so you is it similar to malpractice insurance that you were mentioning before with you yeah yeah, and yeah there's, a, okay. there's a lot of ways you can you can get it um through the employer is the most is, is the kind of more common um through the nesw you can get it and it's, it's pretty cheap for social workers because we i mean it's not like we're doing brain surgery or anything right. but um yeah, I, I guess I forgot the big one. Um, drinking and driving, that's actually the biggest one <laughs> that people get. Like, if you look at all, all like, kind of the, the um, ticks on it, it's it's normally drinking and driving. I forgot. I don't know why I forgot that one, but that was the biggest one. That was a sure. big one. Well, I could imagine. Yeah. I, I, I do have, while I don't know a whole lot about social work, I do have a friend who is in social work. Um, and so she... When often when she tells me kind of like, you know, hey, this is this is the job that I do. This is where I'm headquartered. Like she worked at Open Arms, which is a woman's shelter for a while. And just the thought of it just made my heart just cr- crush my heart. I, I don't think I have the the soul to be in, in, in social work. I feel like I would be too <laughs> empathetic to I just cry all the time. So I could see why if you got into that field, like if, if you know, just drink the pain away, then I'm going to go drive somewhere. I. I I feel like I can see why that would be a big offender yeah. if that, I don't know if that's like wildly offensive, but I could, I could see where it would be just like, okay, I just saw like the worst situation ever. I don't know what to do. And I mean, drinking and driving is never okay, but I, I feel like I, I get why that's a big one. Right. Well, also, um, when you choose a field like this, they say that you should always, you're one, like your social worker on the clock and off the clock, you need to bring the code of ethics into um, your other parts of life as well. Um, and the cool thing about that is if you choose to be a social worker before you have a degree or not, they say you can still call yourself a social worker. Um, it's not limited to whatever degree you have. Um, at least in one of my textbooks, that's what it said. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, you know, it's, it's just about keeping a good image uh, professionally and throughout your life kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I think this goes without saying, but for all fields, you should probably not be drinking and driving just in life. Maybe just don't yeah. be drinking and driving. But yeah, no, you're, some you're good advice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. And and that's, you know, obviously social work has the because you can't go up to somebody and tell them to turn their life around and for you to be like have four drunk driving marks against you. And, you know, so you have to be a role model. Right. Right. Yeah, it's. I guess one teacher said it's a lifestyle. It's not a profession kind of right. thing. Right, that makes sense. So, yeah. Okay, so um, you and and now let's kind of get into your career. Um, yeah. because I'm fascinated with by so many different points of it. Um, but at at one point you said you worked for uh worked in a group home and yes. helping helping teach. I'll let you tell it, but you worked in a group home. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I worked in, it was two group homes that were kind of down the street from each other. And this is in like a rural area of um, of Arizona. It's northern Arizona. It looks like Colorado. Um, if someone put you there and blindfolded you, you'd think you're in Colorado. So it's a really kind of cool part. But yeah. um, they would have, uh, anyway, so I, I was working here um, when I was getting my bachelor's. So I, I didn't have a degree in social work yet, but I was I still landed a job there kind of as like a, a tech. Um, they would let us run um, kind of like process groups where the where the uh, clients would talk to each other and you'd process the day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the big thing was really to um, just run their day, um, like uh, make sure everyone does hygiene, make sure everyone uh, picks up their bed, their room, um, and then you'd teach them how to cook. 
um you, you'd have like and you'd even go grocery shopping with them and that kind of stuff and pick out i mean everyone have have a list um of what they wanted to to buy but mm-hmm. the the big thing was it was um it was teenagers that had the sex offender label on them and mm. a lot of times judges don't like to give that out because it's a for life kind of label so yeah. either they did something that was really egregious or they had a bad judge or something so yeah um we would have uh behaviors at night especially when um staff were a little lax or didn't really want to um sit in a boring hallway because they had all these rooms there was a hallway i mean it was just a house a two-story house and they had a hallway and each of them had their own room but um so you'd sit just looking at the at the hallway and i didn't work overnight but sometimes i got stuck working overnight because the overnight person wouldn't show up so uh-huh. and you can't leave the kids like you just can't so oh you gotta, no oh, God. yeah yeah so you gotta wait um until someone else shows up so i would i would spend a bunch of nights just sitting there you know watching the doors um but yeah um it, it was kind of cool because um I mean, I was still kind of figuring this stuff out myself, like the laundry thing, the right, <laughs> the cooking yeah. thing, coaching the... someone to do it. And you're just like, okay, I read this on YouTube. I saw this on YouTube. Here's how you do laundry. I'm such a professional. <laughs> I know all the yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, I did laundry, but but you know what I mean. Yeah, that, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Yeah, set, but setting up a day to day, you know, because that that's important, especially with, you know younger younger people and someone that's probably led a very troubled life I'm just giving them patterns and making sure that they're independent like was this kind of like a rehabilitation thing like how long did they stay in the house i guess yeah so question. yeah so so each case was kind of different um some of them were sent there by um, their parents and the court kind of thing and some of them were um, not the ward of the state but they were under like the custody of the state so the state mm-hmm. sent them there and most of, I mean, some of them, like, they were really sent there because they had, they had the title and they had nowhere else to go. So, I'm sorry, what was the question? Oh, just, <laughs> um, oh, and now I've completely spaced on what the question it, was. Okay. Oh, just, you know, like, this, did they, how long did they stay, I guess was my question. Oh, That's what it yeah, was. Yes, yeah, so, so the kids that were under, like, DPS or CPS custody at that time, um, they would stay until they kind of aged out. Because if you have a teenager that has a sex offender label, they don't, they don't get placed into foster care. Unless yeah. if someone that works with them, you know, wants to place them. But, I mean, that's just a lot of a lot of red flags for people to, um, to adopt. And nothing against people that adopt because anyone that adopts, is that, that's great, you know. Oh, yeah. So. Absolutely. Um, but so they, they usually age out. So they would be there. Um, I mean, if they're 15 and they're there, they're going to be there till they're. 18 um and then you had these other kids that they're fulfilling like a court responsibility like they got they got sentenced to however long treatment Mm -hmm. through court so theirs would be different um i would want to say theirs is around like six to 12 months so like half a year to a year yeah and then if they complete it um that was kind of like caveat with a lot of the ones that came from court is if they completed treatment which i think they said that the treatment's like six months long but yeah yeah oh okay so then you also like ended up working with um you worked with families and you helped them kind of do something similar i suppose with um 
Now, if I'm, rem- if I'm remembering correctly, it was you were helping them like clean up their living situation. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. So um, after I got my bachelor's degree, I was able to um, quit the job there and then go get a, a job um, where I actually went to families' houses. And the big part of it was putting systems into place where they would just kind of like I guess live better. I don't want to say live better because that, then that's putting me a judgment on their life before. Right. And, but, um, but to kind of live in a way that they wanted to like where their goals were kind of thing. So, right. um, we put all these systems in there and, um, part of the system with at, at least one family that I can remember is that they always got knocked for a messy house, um, like animal feces in, in the house. Um, and they always had like, dps uh, warning them um dps really doesn't want to take kids away they really want to keep kids in the house as long as parents want to keep the kids in the house but right uh, um you get like a parent that has symptoms of depression or borderline personality disorder and you kind of um you kind of get it's kind of a bad combo for uh parenting if, if if it's a single parent and um yeah so a lot of times i would go in there and um like I would sweep up feces with the kid and just kind of stuff like that. I mean, cleaning right. up the house. Yeah, it's it and yeah. I mean, one of the reasons you can get taken from your house is is due to a messy house. So that was kind of the reason for that. But yeah. through that job, I was also working with um, kind of the aggressive males that didn't have uh, families. Mm-hmm. One. A couple got placed in foster families, actually, towards the end of it, which was really cool because they were actually really cool kids, but they were just in the situation where they didn't have um, their biological parents, so. Yeah. So, okay, so, um, I'm just, I like, I feel like my brain is firing a million questions at once. Um, <laughs> well, how would you, now, obviously, cleaning up the animal feces would be a whole you know very easy pick up throw away um but the systems in place would you have like any advice for that like this this is the part where we hone in on the topic of my (laughs) podcast uh like would you what did you have like a structure of like a you know here you do this or did you just sort of gauge it by the family um you kind of gauge it from family to family but of course you have your your tricks in place um so there was a couple where if you complete a certain amount of tasks or um, a certain amount of like chores, there's like a, a joy jar where you take something out and then you get to do something that you like kind mm-hmm. of thing, something that brings you joy. And then there's like a consequence or yeah, I guess a consequence jar for the, for the other one. If you, if you fail to do what you um, think or, or want um, a lot of times it was making sure that the parents stuck to, whatever the family so you got to get the family to kind of agree on what the the chores are kind of agree on what everyone's responsibility is so you do that then the kids have a buy-in too and then the parents have their buy-in as well um a lot of times the kids are always talking about how the parents don't give them any um positive feedback and the parents response is well look at our place like why would I give any positive feedback to that so (laughs) yeah it was kind of patting the parents on the back for giving positive feedback when uh, they do something correctly 
it's honestly a lot of classic classical conditioning um i don't know if you know uh, pavlov's dog oh absolutely yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so it was a lot of that but in uh kind of with parents and kids kind of thing um and it's it's very hard to keep up i mean you're changing behaviors in in an environment so um you just try to put systems in place like whatever works with the family if it if it's a prize for doing all your all your activities if it's you know the parent gives them money for doing all their all their chores and stuff or if it's you know whatever it is that kind of stuff oh yeah and that's and i found that's very true with even people who aren't in tough situations if they're just learning to clean their house or if they're just learning to you know i don't know just do dishes or do certain tasks if you keep it up for long enough and if everyone in the house is on the same page, like that's a classic roommate situation, isn't it? It's like, well, I do the dishes. Why doesn't anyone else do the dishes? Oh, well, then we all, then, then no one's doing the dishes. And then that's when the fighting starts. But if you get a system yeah. that everyone follows, then it all sort of comes to heel. So it all seems, yeah, it with with what you were doing, it seems like it'd be very, like even in your email, it all just seemed really simple. Well, I taught them to do laundry. Well, I taught them, but for... Yeah certain situations that can be i mean that's obviously very life-changing yeah yeah it's it's strange to think that something something that i hate doing like on a day-to-day basis would be setting up a system for somebody to turn their life around so that's my that's me hold on let me check my privilege for a second but um, (laughs) but yes that's i mean that's great i mean i i i assume you learned a lot while it, social work seems like you learn a lot on your feet yeah 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 we we all don't really know what we're doing we just kind of are trying our best faking it till we make it out there uh, i believe that's how everyone does like that's how adulting is that's if i could define it as anything it's faking it till you make it yeah that, that actually is adulting that is being an adult for sure yeah yeah i think the, that's the dirty secret no one tells anybody no one knows what we're doing well, one of the big crises I went through in my life was realizing that adults don't know what they're talking about. And I always oh, thought yeah. that they always had it figured out. And I'm like, wow, none of these people actually know what's going on. Like, Oh, yeah. Oh, the, the moment I looked back at my parents, like as like somewhere, I think I might have been like maybe 25 when the epiphany hit me. And I looked back at my childhood and the things that my parents did for us and how, you know, like all these great things they did for me. And I realized, oh, they were just people. These are yeah. just two people. These are not some, because I mean, I always just like, well, your parents, they wouldn't have let you become a parent if you weren't some sort of, you know, steely eyed <laughs> missile man. Like, like, no, there's someone let me be a parent. So uh, clearly there's no form you have to fill out. It's just, they let you do what you want to do, apparently. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, that's the, the epiphany. I think we all sort of stumble onto and it's just how we deal with that. <laughs> it's like, oh, wait, everyone is faking it. No one knows what's happening. um so oh that okay so that's great um did you have (laughs) i have i think i could talk to you for probably seven 12 hours about this which is great which is why i love that you're going to like your podcast will center like the podcast you're going to be starting which i will let you plug later um will this be centering around social work um i i guess kind of i there's there's some things like my um my perspective on like life like my personal mantra um I, I don't know. I mean, not maybe not completely social work, maybe kind of like right. a, there's a therapy aspect to it, but just kind of, I, I don't really know how to explain it or quantify it right now. Oh, that's um, fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I do like to read medical journals and, and I do comment them, on them on Twitter. And I feel like 
you know, I'd like to comment them on a, on a podcast as well, depending on what the study is. So, oh yeah. Yeah. And I guarantee you there's, there's, there's obviously an audience for that. Like I myself don't read medical journals, but I'm fascinated, <laughs> but I'm fascinated by people who are nerds in their field. So <laughs> like I, I'm excited when people are excited about what they do. So and it sounds like that's what you are, which is why I'm very excited that that we are chatting. Oh, um, thanks. Yeah. No, did you have anything else like that you would like to impart on the masses about social work or adulting in general? Oh, man. It, it kind of, well, kind of bringing up the, um, like, my personal, like, mantra or whatever. And it was something that when I was doing outpatient therapy, I kind of um, talked about a lot. But, and, and it was kind of with males because I started getting... Uh, like male clients and this is in outpatient therapy they were adults kind of thing but um just to kind of put it in a male perspective not to completely you know women's studies back in the day not to completely say males and females are completely different or whatever right but i would say um and i tried to really morph it into a way that made sense to me so i was like you got to have this like aggressive self-love um towards yourself and it's like not like a and this is like my personal mantra and i don't do it correctly every day um, especially, you know, re- recently a couple times, I know I've gotten out of it, but <laughs> if you have this aggressive self-love, it really makes you into a better, um, into a better you. And, and when you become a better you, you become a better you to other people as well, because you have so much self-love that you're not going to let yourself be like an addict to someone or, or, um, do a behavior that is maladaptive towards yourself because you actually have this like love towards yourself. Now, the way you get to that point could be different for a lot of people. It could be, I mean, whatever it is, whatever intervention you need to get there. But when you can get to that point, I think it's this really healthy mantra that you can have. And of course, now, um, five years down the down the road, I might say I had no clue what I was talking about. But um, it's just something that I'm kind of pumped about right now. Oh, so. yeah. Well, I don't think that's the kind of mantra I don't think you look back on and go, that's, that's silly. So <laughs> that's not. It's it's a good I I agree with it a hundred percent and and for some reason the only thing that's ringing through my head is I don't know if you watch a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race oh no but but she ends every episode with if you don't love yourself how the hell are you gonna love somebody else so very similar um I think yeah. yours is a little bit more a little <laughs> less RuPaul but yeah well, uh, it's it's good advice it's great advice. Well, for me, it's the thing like when I have a day off and I need to get a bunch of stuff done and I need to get to the gym um, when I and I'm just like, it's so much easier to, to nap here or sleep here. I'm like, wait, no, I, I got to go do this. And it's not it's not for anyone else. It's for me, but it benefits people around me kind of thing. So, oh, yeah, definitely. And that's that's definitely one of those. You know, I think the other lesson in there is every once in a while you slip and you shouldn't beat yourself up about it because sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes you just take a nap and it happens. But I think, you know, one of the, the bigger adult things is if you're laying on the couch and you're just thinking, I have to go to the bank, you just have to drag your butt off the couch and go to the bank because you can nap when you're back. Yeah. <laughs> and you can sleep so much better knowing that you've gone to the bank and you don't have to deal with it then procrastination that is that is the thing that haunts me procrastination just lives on me get those things off your mind for sure exactly absolutely okay well thank you like a million times for being on my podcast yeah no problem well where where can everyone find 
you on the internet, on the World Wide Web, on iTunes or whatever. Just where everywhere. Well, right now it's just Twitter and it's at Bro Brain Science. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. Okay. And then um, you were on another podcast. What You mentioned it before. Yeah, it's it's unpopular culture. It's a UPC podcast, and okay. I think I think you can go to upcpodcast.com, um, and if you just type into iTunes, it's it's unpopular culture. Um, Perfect. All right. Well, definitely let me know when you get your personal podcast up off the ground. I will, I will, I will add. I will throw some commercials in for you. Sounds you, great. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for being on here. And everybody, thank you for joining me this week uh, for listening to me and Justin rabble on about social work. Uh, you can find <laughs> this podcast on Twitter at Learn to Adult. And there's also a Facebook group, Learn to Adult, or I'm sorry, Facebook.com slash Learn to Adult. And Learn to Adult.com is the website. And you can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, basically anywhere you can find a podcast, Learn to Adult. And I will see you guys on the next week. Thank you.